So, uh, guess what I had for dinner? What? Tony Baloney's. Oh, nice. So I've lived in Noboken for seven days and had Tony Baloney's twice. Yes. And, I just and you were actually in Laurel for like three of those seven days. That's a good point. Hello, it is Wednesday, July 6th, 2016, and this is episode 18 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. My name is Craig Stone. With me is Kyle Askin. Howdy. Uh, So we have some news to talk about. Uh, This is probably going to be another short-ish episode because, as we've mentioned... Life is once again in the way. Yeah, you've got places to be. I've got a house, apartment, whatever, full of boxes, Uh, but... We are here to get you an episode. So some of the news, uh, not a whole lot, you know, not a bunch of different things going on, but certainly some big things going on. Uh, When we last left you, the local 54 union was threatening to strike against five Atlantic City casinos. They were the Taj, the Tropicana, and the three Caesars properties, Harrah's, Caesars, and Bally's. They've reached a deal with the three Caesars properties in the TROP. They reached that deal uh, sometime last week, I think Wednesday or Thursday. But they did go on strike on Friday against the Taj Mahal, which is Carl Icahn's um, property. He also owns the Tropicana, obviously. But, you know, this is obviously striking against the scaled-back benefits and other things that were uh, scaled back in the bankruptcy and that Carl Icahn basically said, look, I need these things if I'm going to invest millions of dollars into the Trump Taj Mahal. So now they're trying to get some of those things back. They're in day six now of the strike. Uh, there's, I haven't heard a whole lot about ongoing negotiations, so I don't know. I mean, I, it is Icahn just going to dig in and say, whatever, I'm not going to give in to any of this. And if you want to strike forever, that's fine. Or, you know, what do you think is going to happen? I'm actually, I don't have any idea. I think it's, the the interesting thing to me is that the trap came to a deal with these people and the Taj didn't. It's, it's almost like Icon is looking for a reason to close down the Taj or, or maybe try to completely kick the union out of it or just generally, you know, he's, he's playing with the Taj more than he's playing with the Trop, I guess, because he has a lot less to lose in, in Taj, being all the money he's put into the Trop over the last few years. But um, as for the outcome, I'm not really positive. I expect at some point they'll probably get some deal done, but I really don't know. I mean, it's I'm sure the union's not going to not gonna back down, and I'd imagine Carl Icahn isn't either. So I'll I'll be interested to see how long this lasts. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see, especially like you mentioned with Trop uh, already reaching a deal. And but as you mentioned, Tropicana, much more money pumped into Tropicana, uh, and Tropicana also makes a lot more money. So for for Icon, there's a lot more to lose there than with Taj. So you know the, he, his margins are probably already pretty small <laughs> at Taj, and he probably feels like you know if he's looking at them as sort of very separate entities. It makes sense, I guess, for him to dig in. The question is, 
you know, at what point does the union sort of feel like it's desperation time and they sort of have to accept anything, anything just because that's the best they're going to get? Or, uh, you know, do they just keep fighting and say, you know, we'll close this place down if we have to? Uh, that seems kind of unlikely to me, but without really knowing any sort of the inside of the negotiations, it's kind of hard to have an educated guess on any of this, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, basically, as you mentioned, no information has has come out about this the last few days, or at least I haven't seen any stories about it. Well, so one bit of information that we have gotten, not in terms of negotiations, but in terms of the customer experience, is that Harvey... Uh, who was one of the group, the the members of our Facebook group, went and stayed at Taj Mahal over Fourth of July weekend during the strike with his family and uh, posted some comments, um, basically saying uh, it seems like a lot of the restaurants were closed. There were some issues uh, with housekeeping, like basically there was no housekeeping. You could call down and get towels, and that was about it. Uh, but it seemed like definitely the sort of staff the, that we had heard would be affected, which was the housekeeping staff, bartenders, restaurant servers, like that's really affecting the experience at the Taj. Uh, so um, he said the newly reopened buffet uh, was never open. Uh, pl- the plate restaurant was closed, but he did say he still had an enjoyable trip. Uh, I don't know what he paid as far as rates for that weekend, if it was a steeply, steeply discounted rate. I mean, I would assume since the services were obviously limited, but uh, interesting to, to sort of hear the inside of that. So if you want to read his whole post, he actually goes into some detail. You should get onto our Facebook group and join it. It is facebook.com slash groups slash do for a win. And you can just request to join and we'll let you in and you can see all of that post and kind of see what's going on and, and see what else people are talking about with Atlantic City. Yep. It was a really great post. It was super interesting. So Yeah, and to me, that that's the kind of stuff that I love to see um, in the Facebook group or on Twitter or really anywhere, just people saying, hey, this is my experience with, with something like this. And, you know, with Showboat opening soon, hopefully we'll see similar experiences with that as well. Uh, so that kind of segues into the next topic, which is that today, actually this afternoon, uh, Bart Blatstein tweeted out that you can now book a showboat room, which puts them far ahead of Revel on the reopening uh, timeline. So you can book rooms starting this Friday, July 8th. Uh, Their site actually, it's a new site. It's up. Um, It is showboathotelac.com. The logo is the same. But when you click to book, it actually takes you to Total Rewards, to a Total Rewards site that is branded with Total Rewards, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, It's also available on Hotels.com and other third-party sites, so you will see the rooms available there. And like I said, you can book as early as Friday, July July 8th. Uh, When I checked earlier this afternoon, it was $238.26, including all taxes and fees for this Friday. So if you want to be there for the reopening of the showboat that is what it will cost to stay the night uh blatstein has said there's not really going to be any kind of big grand opening thing for friday you know it's just i think he made a joke that like maybe we'll have a first jump on the bed or something like that um which i guess you can take multiple ways but uh so i checked into the rates i looked at the rates for random dates because you know that's what i do with my time and so 
It looks like most Saturdays are kind of in the 300 to $350 range, usually the higher end of that range from what I could see in the summer, like 330 to $350. Fridays were 215 I think I saw one 215 and then everything else was 285 Weekdays were 100 to 150 and they advertise rates as low as 89 I know on, on Hotels.com when you search for it, it says starting at $89. So the 100 is actually the $89 plus the 14% in taxes and fees mm-hmm. for New Jersey. And the interesting thing about that is that there's no resort fee right now. So $89 comes out to like $100.40. There's no resort fee. Uh, so it's actually pretty close to what you see in the advertised rates. And when you go through their site, it doesn't even show you the base rate. It only shows you the final rates. So that I found really interesting because I looked, um, you know, I'm actually considering going for a night in late July and I looked and it was, I think a hundred dollars and some cents. And I clicked through, I didn't actually book it, but I clicked through to the end of the process and that is the actual rate. So the rate that it shows you when you search on their site is the rate you will pay. So I'll, I'll go ahead and celebrate that as a victory for transparency. You know, who knows if they open more restaurants and other things in the property, if they'll tack on a resort fee. Cause right now, you know, what are you really paying for? <laughs> Right. That's exactly my point. I mean, you can't have a resort fee when you have zero amenities. I mean, you can, but yeah. then it's literally just another charge for nothing. Right. So I, I clicked through and tried to figure out what exactly was going to be open. And on their site for dining, it says that they have Atlantic City Eatery or Ace for short, which is going to be open for breakfast, lunch and dinner. This seems like it's just a typical casino, coffee shop, diner kind of place. And then there are arrows that seem to indicate that you can go to look at the other dining options, but they just don't go to anything. You know, they're not clickable. So that seems like it's going to be the only restaurant open. There was an article, um, I think, in the press of Atlantic City saying sort of where Showboat was in the process and mentioned that they were going to have the bottom floor of the surf bar open. But there's nothing about that on the website, so I don't know if that's finalized or not. Um, so any, are you eager to book a showboat room? What are your thoughts on the showboat being open with 850-some-odd rooms and, and very few other amenities? So first, uh, since showboat is now open, how nervous are you? I know we talked about how there was not a whole lot of news the last few days about Taj. How nervous are you now about our bet about Rebel? Because there's been, I've heard nothing about what's going on with Rebel, which I don't take to be great news, but. Oh, because I said under 20 episodes. There's... Yeah, so you've got, you've got one more episode left. So I actually listened to the last episode today, and I just couldn't believe how optimistic I was about yeah. the, the quickness of opening of Rebel. <laughs> because, like you said, there's just been nothing. I mean, I can't even imagine that it's going to open at any point in July, even. Although, then again, there was no news at all about Showboat until, like, a couple days ago. And then all of a sudden, it's it's open. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there you was know, one article. T- today came out that, that he was accepting reservations, right? Yeah, so there was the, the one article is kind of very low-key, I think intentionally very low-key on Blatstein's yeah, part. I saw an article on July 1st that said it's going to be opening soon, but... Yeah, so that and and I was shocked when I saw that. I just happened to be on Twitter and and looking at my Twitter feed, and that popped up from Blatstein saying, "Hey, you can book a room," and I was just like, "Oh my god, wow, it's done, it's it's happening." So, <laughs> I mean, it was pretty crazy and and kind of cool to see that. And 
And to see just how quick the turnaround was, I mean, the reservation system didn't even get up until today and you can book a room now, you know, it's Wednesday and you can book a room on Friday. So definitely interesting, definitely done fast. So like I said, it's a hundred dollars for that Friday. I was for that Sunday I was looking at in late July. Um, you know, I can probably get a free room at, at resorts. I can definitely get a free room at Harrah's. I wouldn't be surprised if Caesars becomes cheaper than a hundred at some point between now and then, you know, it was as of a couple of days ago and then went back, and then it went back up. But I'm really intrigued, like I'm torn, like should I book the showboat room and for the reporting purposes so that I can come back with with a bunch of knowledge about showboat and report about how good or bad or indifferent I am about it and and what's available and all that, or am I so worried about it being terrible with nothing there and with everything just walled off that I don't want to do it? I, I... If I were you, I wouldn't book Showboat right now because it sounds like, like you said, there's not a whole lot there. I mean, if you want, you can certainly walk through it oh, that's a good and see nothing, <laughs> right? It's not like closed to the public or anything, right? right. It's a hotel. So uh, I personally wouldn't book Showboat right now. And you know that, that I love Showboat back in its old iteration more than anyone. Yeah, I mean, I think we both really ended up with a – fondness for showboat in the final year before it closed just the casino and everything i thought was really good um but part of me you know doesn't want that to be tainted by going in and seeing a half closed property that just happens to be taking reservations uh so i'm I'm a little concerned about that but then also you know when it's a hundred bucks but borgata i can get a borgata room that night for 158 like borgata's probably 58 dollars better than than showboat um so you know it's it's funny because we talk about like the difference between comped and fifty dollars is seems infinite but you know this is more than that difference you know 100 and 158 and i sort of look at that and i say it's almost not even justifiable to spend the 100 when i can spend 158 and stay at the nicest property in atlantic city mm-hmm. no i i agree yeah, so we'll see what else opens. I expect that hopefully at least this is not the only thing that ends up open in, in Showboat this summer. Hopefully there's more to come as far as bars. And, you know, I know there's been talk about opening the event space that was at the House of Blues, but, you know, we haven't heard much about that. So it'll be interesting to see. I'll try to keep checking their website and see if anything gets anything gets updated in the interim. Mm. No, I, I mean, I'm... I'm excited it's back open again, but I don't necessarily want to stay there right this second. Yeah, and the other thing that I tried to look for today uh, was, have any of the rooms been renovated? Because, you know, they've got the, the Orleans Tower rooms the um, and the Bourbon Tower rooms open. Like, when you check, you see those available. And I know before it closed, the Orleans Tower rooms were pretty dated. Um, yes. And the furniture was kind of beat up, so... I'm hoping that they swapped that out, like any beat-up furniture. They're not just sort of using that same old stuff, but I don't know. You know, I haven't heard anything about renovations. The site does say it's, like, recently updated rooms or newly updated rooms or something like that, but, you know, updated doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. Uh, So who knows? Who knows what it's going to be like? And I'd love to hear if anybody stays there in the next couple weeks and can give us some info on that and I'll definitely be checking Twitter and, and seeing if anybody has anything to say. Yep. Hopefully someone posts about it on Twitter or in the Facebook group or whatever. Yeah. So 
so we mentioned the lack of resort fees at Showboat, and that goes nicely into a topic that actually came up before the last episode, but we didn't have time to get to, which is that there's been some talk about the Federal Trade Commission uh, clamping down on resort fees, which have become such a hugely popular uh, popular for businesses, not popular for consumers, aspect of booking a room, especially in a casino town. And basically there's a 2012 decision that allowed it, um, saying that it was okay to do that, but now they're, ta- they're talking about reversing it. Uh, this was posted in the Washington Post by Christopher Elliott, um, just sort of running down why they're making the decision. Uh, so I'll link to that in the show notes. It's from June 16th. And it kind of says, like, the resort fees have gotten to a point where they're so out of, ha- out of hands and such a huge percentage of what you may end up paying in the rate that the FTC finally kind of feels like they have to step in. Um, but one thing to keep in mind is that this article is just full of anonymous sources. It's Everything is anonymous. There's no official word. Uh, so it could be that just nothing's going to come of this and that this is all just, you know, smoke with no fire. But it seems like this is on somebody's radar somewhere. Uh, so you're not getting into whether or not it's going to happen because I don't think there's any way for us to know that. But what would this actually mean for you, for the consumer? Like, as as a consumer, you know, you go on to Hotels.com or you even go on to Total Rewards and you see a rate, and then the rate's $20 or whatever above that. You know, what does making it have to be advertised up front mean for you as someone who books rooms in Atlantic City or Vegas? Uh, so, so what does it mean at the end of the day? Like, what's the bottom line going to be? Probably not a whole lot for most people. Um, I imagine the prices are going to mostly stay around the same. However, uh, I mean, it'll probably feel a lot better because you're going to be paying the price that you think that you're paying or the price, you know, it'll be easier for you to know exactly what you're going to be paying. Um, so that'll feel better for some people, like people like us, maybe like moderate gamblers. Like it might be better for us because if we get comped, it'll probably mean actually comp again, minus the New Jersey state fees. Um, but at at the end of the day, I mean, I think the price is the price and, and it shouldn't affect the bottom line too, too much. So you, it, 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 I mean, if you think about it, it was one of those things where if, if one actor in, in the hotel ecosystem was, was doing it, was charging, you know, $20, $30 resort fees a night, like everyone else kind of had to follow suit just because of how it looked on online booking websites and things like that. Yeah, and so I think that's actually a good point, which is that something something that everybody sort of says is that, well, everybody followed suit because they could. And it's not really that everybody followed uh, yeah. suit because they could. It's that when you... I think they had to. Yeah, when you go to Hotels.com and you or see that Or you're not going to get price. any bookings. Right. I mean, so, so the way it is, like, these resort fees, like, usually, most of the time, they're not on, like, Hotels.com or Kayak or whatever. It's just something that you're charged actually when you're physically in the hotel. And so it's... if if a hotel is charging it and another hotel is not and hotel A's price looks 20 or $30 cheaper than hotel B's and they're of similar quality, like everyone's just going to choose hotel A and they're going to win. And we mentioned Tropicana uh, seemingly has this sort of mystery extra fee, even on top of the resort fee on hotels.com. And to me, that's pretty clearly just an effort to 
keep the advertised rate lower than their competitors and as low as possible so that people book it because I think people, you know, they when you see them all in the sheet, when you see the search results and they're all up on one page and it says Tropicana is $89 and, you know, Bally's is 99 or 115 or whatever, you think that Tropicana is cheaper. And you don't, and it, you can't compare the final price with taxes on one sheet. So once you go through the booking, you just assume that the taxes and everything are the same. You don't assume that the difference is going to, you know, make Tropicana's rate catch up to whatever the higher rate is. So, you know, it's it's smart on their port, part. It's kind of crappy for the consumer. You mentioned comp rooms uh, where they would actually be comped, and one thing that I wonder is it, for someone like me who doesn't get a whole lot of comped rooms, if this is going to be sort of the end of my comped rooms, like am I, it, are my weekend rates just going to become $27.80 or $24.80 or whatever they are at, at Caesars, I think it's $24.80 at Caesars because that's what the resort fee is now, like that's what they're getting from me now if I book a weekend rate, or will they just say, well, we wanted to get you here. The twenty-two bucks was a bonus, but we know we're not going to get you here if it's not comped. Um, and that kind of gets into the psychology of everything that we've talked about. With, you know, do we even stay someplace if comp is an option, but another place is twenty-two bucks? Like, is it attractive to see any dollar sign there that's not comp? Like that kind of stuff. But it's tough. I, I'm a little worried that my total rewards comps are just going to be gone, although that doesn't actually mean anything, right? Like if it if it becomes right. 2480, that's the same thing that I'm paying right now. So 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 what I would say is there are I mean on days where you're not going to get comps, like you're probably going to be adjusted higher by, you know, 30 bucks or whatever. That would be my guess. Again, I have no idea what what would happen if this was passed. Um, but, uh, on other days, like weekdays in the winter, for example, like it's still going to be comped, right? Like, I'm sure that like whatever, you know, uh, their formulas, whatever they expect your play to be minus whatever the value of the room is. And if it's the value of the room is almost zero, like it's going to still be, you know, plus EV for them to offer you a room at comp. But it it would make it probably slightly harder for you to get comps, I would imagine. I think I'd make that trade. <laughs> I don't know how yeah, you Yeah, I, I agree. No, I I think that for me, I mean, this is like a perfect case of of some, you know, legislation or or some government rule that, that probably makes sense for all of the actors involved. Like, I think it's just, it's just a feel bad for everyone and even the casino companies, like... Maybe they win a little bit, but I don't even think they win all that much. It's just something they have to do. So um, it's just like a you know a problem with the commons or whatever that it just makes sense for everyone if if this gets if this goes away. But we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see what happens with it. I haven't heard anything about it since June 16th or whenever this article came out. But uh, certainly something to keep an eye on. And and if it happens, I mean, it's gonna be all over the Vegas blogs and. Uh, other sort of hotel blogs, so I expect we will not miss it if there's an update that this is moving more toward uh, toward happening. Yep. So another thing in in the hotel news, hotel openings or hotel sort of expansion, is that there's been talk that 
that Chelsea could get a casino. And it's it's more than just talk because the state Senate actually passed modifications to the boutique casino bill. We talked about this in an early ep- in earlier episode where basically the state a while back, I think in 2012, added modifications to the existing rules saying now you can have a boutique casino. And the goal at that time was to get Hard Rock in the door in Atlantic City. Hard Rock was interested in opening a smaller casino property with something like 200 rooms. They they said they would expand it within a couple of years. So the legislation that was passed around five years ago allowed for a casino floor that was not larger than 34,000 feet and that had not less than 200 rooms. So 200 or more rooms and a casino smaller than 34,000 square feet. So that was kind of their way of saying, okay, you can have a smaller casino hotel property, but you can't just make this a giant casino with, you know, 10 rooms. Uh, And the rules, though, said it had to be new construction and it had to expand to 500 units within two years or at least be started on that expansion process within two years. So this blocked out the existing players in Atlantic City in terms of existing hotels uh, that are not casino hotels. And the big hotel that wanted this, that wanted a casino that couldn't have one was the Chelsea. Uh, And so they've been sort of pushing for this for a long time to change this ruling. Uh, The initial, the initial legislation allowed for two casinos. This is still, I think two casinos. Um, It hasn't passed the assembly. There's no timeline on it passing the assembly, but it would allow the Chelsea to have a casino. It would probably just be something small, a few table games and, and a slot machine you know, it probably wouldn't make a big difference in the ecosystem of Atlantic City, but it would sort of probably help the Chelsea out. Um, you know, I'm assuming that most people who go to the Chelsea wouldn't make their, that their exclusive gambling home, although maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, but it's interesting to see where this is going. And so they've changed the the new construction rule. They've changed the casino size actually to make it smaller. So now the casino size is not more than 24,000 square feet. So 10,000 square feet, even smaller than it was. And the 200 room uh, minimum is the same, but it does not have that expansion requirement that you have to get up to 500 rooms. So really it is totally done with uh, the, with the Chelsea in mind. This is an article that I'll link to. It's by John Brennan in the Bergen record. So I don't know. What do you think? Like, are you, do you feel like this even affects anything? Obviously, the casino uh, operators there are opposed, but do you think that adding a casino, adding a few slot machines and table games at uh, the Chelsea even affects anything? Not really. I mean, yeah, for for me, it it's probably slightly better for the Chelsea, but, but are the people that are going to go and sit down and play the slot machines for an hour at the Chelsea, like... Do you think that there necessarily are people that that that's taking business away from from other casinos? Like, of course it is to some extent, but I I don't think it's it's a huge deal either way. Yeah, I mean, I think where it starts to shift things is if it creates an opportunity for the Chelsea to sell cheaper rooms because they know they're recouping some of that at the tables or in the slot machines, which I'm assuming, you know, obviously they'll have a player's club and, and give discounts based on that. Uh, 
and you know, I love any opportunity to add to <laughs> my sort of obsessive room discount checking that I do. But mm-hmm. you know, the odds that I really spend any time there or that it draws me away from Tropicana or Caesars or Bogota especially or wherever it is that I'm playing, uh, seems pretty low. I mean, it, I'd, I'd love to check it out. You know, I'd love it for it to happen just because I think, I think it's a move in the right direction for the city just because I sort of think it gives the town more of this, this sort of gambling vibe or casino vibe where it's more open and I sort of appreciate the openness and I sort of like the more, more relaxed legislation. Um, I'm generally in favor of in Atlantic city, but you know, it's not something that's really going to affect me that much either way or affect my experience in Atlantic city either way. No, I mean, I will say it's probably slightly good for the city too, because it's more gambling revenue that gets taxed. I mean, it's slightly good for the state. It's more gambling revenue that gets taxed. It, It seems like a, a win for, for basically everyone, I guess, except for the other casino operators. But like I said, it it will affect them to some extent, of course, but I don't think a small casino is going to make a huge deal. Yeah, and so it passed overwhelmingly in the state Senate, um, which I'm assuming is a good sign for the Assembly, but you know the Assembly is typically off in July and August, so who knows when this is even going to go through... Uh, or when we're going to hear about this bill again. But we'll see, and we'll certainly keep you updated. Yep. Um, one thing, another thing that we mentioned last episode is the Borgata Beer Garden. Actually, that might have been a couple episodes ago. So the Borgata Beer Garden is now open. It was, you know, they sort of mentioned sometime in July. They, they didn't give a specific date for any kind of grand opening. But it is open now. It closes at 8 p.m. on weeknights and 11 p.m. on weekdays, so it's not kind of an all-night place. Uh, but it's open, it's out by the pool, and they've posted their menu that includes a cocktail list and a beer list. And so, to me, the interesting thing is that they sort of touted their 15 taps of craft beer, and, you know, we're, we've been burned before. If you want to talk about the Boardwalk Saloon uh, and their claim of 22 craft beers. Yes, craft beers. I, I think we've already gone over it on the show, but just just uh, we can sum it up by saying that it was not all that was promised. Yeah, it was maybe zero craft beers instead of 22. Yes. So, and it wasn't even 22 beers, I don't think. No, so. they've got some work to do. Uh, and so Borgata has listed their beers, and I'm assuming these are going to rotate pretty regularly, but... The beers listed are Fat Tire, uh, Magic Hat Electric Peel, Victory Summer Love Seasonal uh, Beach House, which I think is just a standard sort of Pilsner. Uh, actually, I'll say Beach House is a Jersey Shore brewery, so if you're really into going someplace and getting very local beers, Beach House is a good option. Um, Kona Longboard Lager, Goose Island Matilda, Allagash House Beer, Dogfish Head 60 Minute. Stone IPA, Rogue Brutal IPA, Lining Kugel Summer Shandy, and then you get your macros, Heineken, Corona, Amstel Light, and Blue Moon. But this is this is a much, much better list in my mind yes. than than what we've seen uh, at some other places that claim to have craft beer. And Yes, looking at you, Mountain Bar. Yeah, and I... Or not Mountain Bar, the... The, the Boardwalk Saloon. The, the Boardwalk Saloon, sorry. Uh, Mountain Bar is great. Yeah, course. because the beer's so cheap. Yes. Um, but and it's it's a classic. 
It is Wild Wild West. It is. It's everything you hope for out of Wild Wild West. Yes. Uh, it's interesting because I, I don't think Atlantic City is a very good craft beer snob town as it stands right now. Um, and so having, you know, Beach House, you know, Goose Island is owned by Anheuser-Busch, but it's got some craft beer cred, and Matilda is one of its craftiest, if you will, <laughs> specialty beers. So that's good to see. Uh, Allagash, I think, is a really good brewery. I've never had their house beer, so that's interesting. Dogfish Head 60, to me, is like one of the most quintessential IPAs. You know, anything stone is going to is gonna be good for the, the craft beer heads. So it's it's not a bad list. It's really not bad. I'd be interested to see how bad, how, how bad, how often they they rotate the taps and how often they ring in seasonals. Like, obviously, the Line and Kugel Summer Shandy is not going to be there in in December. Um, although it's outdoors, so who knows? Like, is this thing even going to be open when the pool is closed? Like, I don't really know what the plan is for that. But I would love for this to be rotated through pretty regularly and and you can get different beers at different times. Although, that being said, like, do you think either of us will ever end up at the outdoor beer garden at Borgata? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it's something I consider going out of my way to see. I mean, it's, you know, we went to Borgata our last trip. It's it's something we do at least half the time we go to Atlantic City as we go to Borg. I mean, it's something we try to do probably more often than that. Um, the beer list sounds super solid to me. Uh, my one question for you, though, is are you unfairly biased towards Stone IPA for obvious reasons? So, oh, uh, so story time that we may have to edit for timing, but... I think it's it'll so be Stone. I actually I think Stone's very good now. Um, but when Stone first, it's a San Diego brewery. When it first came to the East Coast, it got so much sort of uh, beer hype. snob. Yeah, beer snob hype, absolutely. Yeah. And I was out with our friend Craig, another Craig, in Baltimore, and I think he ordered a Stone, uh, some kind of Stone beer like an arrogant bastard or something, and I didn't order that. I ordered yeah. something else. And the bartender, when he ordered the Stone, was like, oh, this is the best brewery going right now, Stone Brewery. And I was like, yeah, I think it's kind of overrated. Like, everybody's talking it up. And he just looked at me aghast, like, I can't believe you would say that, and kind of like acted like I was an idiot and don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, so then, as I paid my check, he saw that my name you know, my credit card was stone and he was like, your name is stone and you don't even like stone. And he was like really actually mad at me and I was so confused, but, um, that's always kind of stuck with me about stone. I mean, I definitely, I think stone's a very good brewery now. So in in his defense, I, I think I agree with him wholeheartedly. Stone is one of my favorite breweries. I mean, my only issue now is that it is pretty expensive on the East coast, but, uh, yeah, I you know just I don't know if I've noticed or mentioned this on the podcast before. I mean, I think I've mentioned it, but uh, we haven't talked about it. I lived in in Arizona for a couple of years, and I we me and some friends made a trip out to San Diego in January to go camping in in Encinitas uh, on the beach, and we went to like a super dive bar there, and for happy hour, like Heather happy hour was like. $2 drafts or something, 250 drafts, and Stone IPA was one of the choices. So I took it upon myself. I was like, this is an amazing deal. I need to basically have all of it. So then the next day, while uh, my two other friends were surfing, I was sort of laying in the tent with one of the worst hangovers <laughs> of my life. But it was worth it. 
it was, I mean, looking at the cost benefit, you're like, you just have to go deep on, on the stone IPA when you have the opportunity to for that price. Yeah. And I definitely think, so I think part of my problem is that arrogant bastard, I think was sort of the thing that everybody was excited about when it first came over. And I sort of didn't love it. Uh, I think their IPA is another sort of just classic, really well done IPA. One thing about the beer list at the beer garden is that there's no real dark beers on it at all. So I know for some beer lovers, that's not going to be all that exciting. Yeah, I know. I know. I think a bunch of our friends tend to like the darker, maltier beers a bit more than the IPAs and stuff like that. But you also have to consider it's an outdoor beach, uh, as outdoor beer garden. It's yeah, near the pool. Dark, dark beers outside in the summertime sound pretty terrible to me. You don't so. really want like an oatmeal stout. When I'm no. when I'm sitting out by the pool, no, when it's like ninety degrees. Uh, so one of the things on the list that I'm seeing is a sixteen ounce Borgata Greenhead Summer Shandy. So I'm going to assume that that's something that's like brewed by some other big brewery. Uh, I don't know anything about. I don't know if Greenhead is is a brewery. It doesn't seem to be based on my googling, but uh, you know who knows who makes that. <laughs> Uh, but it would be interesting to ask the bartender and kind of say, "Hey, what is this summer shandy? You know, is it is it just Line and Kugel that you've re <laughs> rebranded?" Which <laughs> certainly happens. I mean, I went to I I work right by a place called the Pizza Pub. I think uh, that actually actually closed maybe a year ago, and they had a house beer. It was like the Pizza Pub Ale, and I would order it, and it's like this is Miller Lite. Like you can't fool yeah. me. I know what Miller so, Lite tastes like, and this is it. Yeah, at, at Horseshoe in Baltimore, they have, like, the Horseshoe Pilsner or whatever, and you cab it, and you're like, this is obviously, like, Bud Light or something, <laughs> or Horse Light, or something like that. Actually, it's probably, like, Budweiser, but either way, it's a generic Pilsner. Yeah, nobody's making a specific Horseshoe beer. Yes. I mean, Caesars may, but I don't know why they would. It seems like a waste. Just buy it from someone else and rebrand it. Yeah. So... Now that we've kind of come to the end of the list, I do I do have something that that I want to ask you some questions about, and um, this is like a delicate subject to tread because you know I don't I don't want the podcast I don't want the website I don't want any of that to 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 get caught up in sort of election twenty sixteen stuff. Are you going but, hot button issues here? But so so it seems like. With obviously Donald Trump is one of, or is very likely to be, you know, a major party candidate, and he obviously has a lot of history in Atlantic City. And something that's come up a couple times throughout this this election cycle, and something that was brought up again today, literally today, in a press conference by Hillary Clinton, who's very likely to be the other major party candidate, was talking about his business history in Atlantic City. And just my question to you is, what, do you think that the sort of I mean, do you think this is in any way beneficial for Atlantic City for it to be getting all of this "quote unquote" like uh, free press? I guess like is is any any spotlight that gets shine on Atlantic City good for the city, or or do you think it doesn't really matter much? Uh, I do not think it is good. I think if if anything, it's bad, <laughs> right? Because to have you know Hillary Clinton was in town today to give to give a speech. She gave a speech right in front of the Trump Plaza. And yep. and she said, oh, this is, you know, Trump Plaza closed because of Trump's mismanagement or whatever, whatever, ignoring the fact that he was long gone by the time Trump Plaza closed, that Trump was no longer involved. But um, this publicity and, and using Atlantic City 
as sort of this backdrop of saying, look how shitty this is that, and this is what Trump will get you, is not helpful for Atlantic City. I can't see any way that that's helpful, and I can only see how it's harmful. And it's and it's going to get brought up many, many more times. So, you know, we've already seen lots of articles about that. Uh, it's weird because I sort of feel like a lot of stuff has been misconstrued. Uh, you know, I certainly, you know, certainly Donald Trump leveraged uh, the Taj Mahal to the hilt and had to, you know, push it through bankruptcy and, and probably screwed over a whole lot of people. But the idea that he was here when the casinos with his name on them failed is is wholly inaccurate. But, you know, without getting into the whole politics thing, I just think it's bad. I think the the repeated use of that is, is very negative and, and not good for the city and not something that's good to have a major presidential candidate presumptive Democratic nominee or either nominee standing in front of a closed casino in Atlantic City <laughs> sort of saying, like, look how crappy this is. Everyone look at how crappy this is. Like, that's not good for anybody. But so not any any sort of word of any advertising is good advertising. Not, you know, some some dude from Philadelphia didn't see that and like, oh, yeah, I guess there is a big casino town just 45 minutes away. Maybe I should go check it out. No, because I think there's when the perception is already negative that this is this is a, a shithole. I don't want to be here. Right, and this just confirms that perception. And then it's also you know probably right next to a headline about the union on strike at Trump Taj Mahal, or probably in the same article because that is another hotel with Trump's name on it. Uh, probably does not look too good, and probably just feeds into. The bankruptcies, and, I mean, not the bankruptcy, but the city uh, having trouble and trying to avoid a bankruptcy, and the casino closures, and, you know, all the way back to Sandy, where they say the boardwalk is totally destroyed, even though that was way up past any of the casinos. So that kind of stuff just all totally feeds into this negative thing, and so I'm not, I certainly was not happy to see see that as somebody who wants to see Atlantic City succeed. I don't see that as positive marketing in any way. Yeah. All right. I was just curious. I just wanted your your thoughts. I mean, I my my initial impression, at least, was that I didn't think it was necessarily a bad thing. But I, I think you could be right. It, maybe it, maybe it discouraged more people from going than than sort of reminded them that it was there and that's something they could check out. So you you could be right. But my initial impression, at least, was that like, eh, it's not it's not a terrible thing that that one of the candidates has so much history here, though it is admittedly checkered history. Um, and that, you know, there have been a lot of, I mean, I think both the Washington Post and the New York Times wrote independent, very long articles about, about Donald Trump's history in Atlantic City. And I don't know. I mean, I, I could have just be, you know, obviously Atlantic City somewhere I've been a lot, so it didn't cloud my judgment at all. It didn't change the way I looked at the city. So it, it could have had a different impression on uh, someone who had never been there and was considering going. Yeah, I mean, I maybe I'm, you know, we've talked many times about how I sort of take more of a cynical or pessimistic view <laughs> about things than you do. So maybe I sort of am looking at this from this like, oh, goodness, not again, please not again. Like, can we not oh, <laughs> get into yeah. the sort of negative again? But So I, I think, honestly, the real answer probably is it doesn't matter a whole lot either way. But uh, yeah. 
I don't know. I just thought I just thought it was it was interesting. It's something that, of course, has come up a couple times. I think Bernie Sanders also, when he went to Atlantic City uh, a couple months ago, you know, talked a bunch about it as well. So I don't know. Yeah, and certainly it'll be interesting to see if Atlantic City gets dredged up many many more times. In my suspicion, is it will be in the news a lot. Yeah, as part of the election cycle. Yeah, well, maybe somebody can do some sort of, like, tourism thing that says, like, see all of Donald Trump's old <laughs> properties, and we'll tell you the history, and do a jitney tour, and all that kind of stuff, and it'll get some people out to <laughs> to do uh, some sort of tourism. I doubt yeah, it. Yeah, probably not. So, I think... Yes? Uh, I was going to say, I think that that's probably all we have time for tonight. I mean, I think this puts this episode at about the same the same length as last episode, which I was personally happy with. So um, I think we can wrap up, unless you have anything else you want to talk no, about. No, apologies once again to, to Paul and to Steve. Paul and Steve, my brother Paul and our first emailer Steve get pushed to a future episode yet again. Um, but, you know, yeah, we don't want to... One episode where I don't have to wake up inhumanly early because I'm driving to Louisville the next day. Yeah, and we don't want to, you know, blow through their stuff in three minutes because <laughs> we're out of time. Uh, right. So, you know, they deserve some good conversation. And there's definitely some good conversation in, in both of their uh, both their comments and the comments sort of surrounding what they've talked about. Uh, so I think we're, we're ready to go unless you have any last-minute things to throw at me about Atlantic City to make me look like a big pessimist about Atlantic City. So um, my my one last thing is, uh, are we going to do this in a week and a half or in two and a half weeks? I think we should do it in a week and a half. That's fine. I don't think I have anything going on. Unless, you know, of course, unless we're in Atlantic City, which we won't be. But That would be awesome. We have we have a friend who is talk, trying to talk us into going to Atlantic City in a week and a half, but... You said you already have plans, and it's not going to happen for me uh, because I am going out of town all this weekend. So, so we're talking like 15th, 16th, 17th weekend. We hope to be back on with a new episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's make that the plan. Cool. Well, I think you can uh, take us home. Sure. So, thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for posting in the Facebook group. Uh, everybody has been great in the Facebook group. It is at facebook.com slash groups slash do for a win. So you can go there and join the conversation about the Trump Taj Mahal, about the strike, about the revel and showboat openings. Uh, but not about election 2016. I just realized, though, if this goes up, yeah, not, keep please no politics talk. Yeah, like, that, you don't need that. that will get you removed from the group. <laughs> uh, or heavily reprimanded uh, by yes. one of us. So you'll get, a na- you'll get a nasty gram from me. I think I'm the I'm the mean moderator. You're the nice moderator. We'll stick with that. Um, so, yes, go to our Facebook group and join it. Uh, you can find our posts and our podcasts and all the show notes and all the articles that we talk about at doforawin.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can find us on Twitter at doforawin. And you can send any questions to doforawin at gmail.com. So thank you for listening. I just realized also that... If this episode goes up Friday or later, I have to change that little sign-off note that says Showboat and Revel still closed. So that will change, but not for the reason that we thought. <laughs> well, yeah, not for the reason that, that you thought, at least, because you were surprisingly optimistic about the Rebel, given your pessimistic That opinion. is true. Yeah. Thanks, guys, and we will uh, we'll talk to you in a week and a half, I guess. Sounds good. 
I don't want to totally cut you off here, except I just, you know, I picked valleys as what I'm driving to for my directions mm-hmm. just because that's sort of a central location to get an accurate timing. And it showed me a picture of the exterior of Wild Wild West, and I'm just, like, super excited about it. 